two college radio DJs during the 90s, hosts Keith and Steve, helped expose bands like Nirvana, Pavement, and PJ Harvey. They went to shows, interviewed musicians, and reviewed albums for various signs of papers. They worked security at concerts and once even did load in for fish. Now, they're dads. Whether you want to explore lesser-known music or take a trip down memory lane, tune into the new Dad Rock. Join hosts Keith and Steve as they navigate the ages together, sharing their love of music across various eras and genres. Always well-intentioned, often well-informed, seldom boring, the new Dad Rock will expand your mind. Hey, Rockin' Dads, we're back with another episode of the new Dad Rock. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your other host, Keith. And today we are taking a trip down memory lane. And why is it always lane? Could be like boulevard, memory street. Road. Yeah, I don't get it. Anyway, we're going to go down that memory viaduct uh, to 1973, a year that birthed some of the most iconic music, albums, bands, and songs in rock history. So sit back and relax and enjoy the show. But before we get to 1973, let's talk about new albums. Right. Though Are, I'm not quite sure this one's new. Yeah. But uh, Little Yachty, let's start here. It came out in January of 2023. I'm going to see Little Yachty tonight, so I want to give a shout out to Let's Start Here by Little Yachty. Um, earlier in the year, he performed on Saturday Night Live, including a song called Black Seminole, which uh, people compared to the vibe of Pink Floyd, which is real interesting because Little Yachty started as a SoundCloud rapper. In fact, my niece and nephew from Oakland told me about Little Yachty, I don't know, half a decade ago or more. So, so what? So SoundCloud rap, what does he sound like? Is he Yacht Rock? <laughs> he sounds like Pink Floydish now. But yeah, no, uh, SoundCloud rap, I don't know. But I'll tell you why they listen on SoundCloud. Because they didn't have a credit card to pay for Spotify or Apple Music or Tidal. So that's, that's why, why your cousins listen to Spotify. That's why under 18-year-olds listen to SoundCloud, too. Yeah, yeah, because it's free. Oh, got you. Got you. So you say Lil Yachty is being um, saying one song sounds like Pink Floyd. Which era of Pink Floyd? Do you have Dark Side? Is this The Wall? Is this Piper at the Gates of Dawn? Final Cut? Animals? What era? It's definitely Dark Side of the Moon. Okay, so like a lot of sound effects, a lot of synthesizers, a lot of Backing space. vocals. Ba- space and backing vocals, female backing vocals, I'd say, too. Oh, man, I can't remember what song off it is, but it's... Is there one called, like, The Great Gig in the Sky or something? There is. And I it's think it's a lot of... It's, I think it's uh, kind of three-part vocals. Soaring. Yes. That's exactly what it sounds Operatic. like. Operatic. Hey, what year did Dark Side come out? 1973. Oh, wow. We didn't even have to. Wow. We didn't write that down. All right. Uh, But before we get to 73, like I said before, what's up with the lizard, Steve? What is up with the lizard? It's funny. When we talked about these weekly things, I didn't think there was going to be enough news, but there always is. (laughs) So what is the lizard up to? A few days back, they announced a handful of marathon shows, which are three-ish hour-long sets, as opposed to their normal 145-ish, I guess, in a handful of US cities for the summer of 2024. And why this matters, Keith, is because you said on a podcast episode that you wanted to go to a King Gizzard residency, and guess what? 
two nights, Forest Hills, Queens, 40 miles from where I live, maybe a hundred from where you live. August, it's a weekend. Forest Hills, Did, King Gizzard. Didn't you already put the kibbutz on this or kibitz? Didn't you already put the kibot, kibosh, kibosh? Didn't you already say no to this because you have to take two of your daughters to college that weekend? <laughs> I look at it this way. All the tickets are um, general admission. Yeah. So I'm asking for general admission tickets for Christmas. And if any of my friends want to join me at the show, they can also buy general admission tickets. Oh, I like this plan. And All right. nobody has to worry about anyone else's shit. Oh. And in the end, we may or may not see King Gizzard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but dude, the plan is to. Well, hold on. Just to be... You've touched on something that's really important to me, and I've made a move now that um, now that I'm older. I've started buying only a single ticket for concerts because so many times the person I'm supposed to go with cancels. And in fact, this morning, the person I'm supposed to go to Little Yachty with, he's been sick all weekend, so he can't go. But uh, my wife missed Beck two weeks ago. Like, I'm tired of trying to get people to go to shows with me. Oh, the OCs, I had four tickets. I, no one even went last year when I had them. So I'm done. So I got my own ticket to see uh, Jordan Davis in two weeks. Got my own ticket to see Bob Dylan in eight weeks. Um, so I'm excited to start just buying one ticket so I can go. But you're right. You can invite your friends, just not buy their tickets. Yeah. Brilliant. Also, I like the solo last minute ticket, you know. Right, the right. show you decide. Last year I did that with Afghan Wigs. It was one of my favorite shows in the last five years. I actually think I saw, I saw Granddaddy that way. Day of ticket. I saw Juice World that way. You're right. It's like because yeah. you're in the mood for it. Like you're going out of your way to get the ticket, even if it is maybe at a small premium. But awesome. Yeah, and I guess talking about this is really showing our age. And, you know, we talked about earlier things that were birthed in 1973. One thing we failed to mention was Keith. So Keith has turned 50. Um, What is it? Thrifty at 50? Nifty? 50? Shifty? Uh, Crafty? No, it's not crafty. That doesn't rhyme, man. Nifty. It's got to be nifty at 50, right? It's got to be nifty, right? Uh Uh-huh. I think so. All right. There- so, so 50, <laughs> did you do anything good? Did you have, like, I don't know, a big bash in your backyard with a bunch of, like, <laughs> people in less clothing than they normally wear? <laughs> that sounds better than it was. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, actually, I, we kind of just had parties all summer, but it culminated in the fall cannonball, which was this giant pool party we had. And you know who happened to be in town that weekend? Uh, you, my Steve. daughter. Well, yeah. From the well, that's why you and... Home episode fame. Amazing. Yeah, so I got to hang out with her in person at this pool party. And um, because Steve happened to be in town doing a college tour, he decided that he would stop by, bring his family, and create the set list. Yeah. Is so it, it was, a set list? It's a playlist. Sorry, it was playlist. an honor for, for the new Dad Rock to curate a playlist. <laughs> it was an artisanal... Um, Bespoke playlist. Getting all the big words out that I hate. Are you making up a coffee shop here? (laughs) It's the ABCs of douchebaggery. Artisanal. Bespoke. What did Uh, I say the the C one was? I don't know, but I'm sure if you said handcrafted, that would almost count. Oh, curated. 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 That's good. Totally. Artisanal. 
bespoke and curated. And it's a playlist for my party, which lasted hours, so it was a really long playlist. Yeah, and it was one of those, you did me a favor by having a vague time um, agenda for specific games and such. Not that you really hit the timing, but it was able, it allowed me to put a few songs in there, like, you know, during the, you know, Rubber Duck race, we had Ernie singing Rubber Ducky. And of course, yeah. then the, and then the Quincy Jones version of that same song. Then the Breeders doing uh, Cannonball during the Cannonball competition, which yeah, was the which culmination. Is, yeah, and to be honest, like you're going to get Cannonball by the Breeders in most playlists, but where the new Dad Rock adds a, a little extra dimension is by adding Human Cannonball by the Butthole Surfers. And you dropped a bomb on me. Oh, oh. You dropped a bomb <laughs> on me. Oh, oh. Yeah, and what you did for the songs that were from 1973, were they the most popular songs from 73, or were they like the the gems? What's, what's really the difference? I mean, I don't go by looking on the top 40 list. Like, do you know what the top 10 or 5 songs even from 1973 were by, like... I do look at it, and then I don't recognize anything, or I recognize it-ish, but I don't... I didn't listen to music in 73 too much. <laughs> yeah, but that being said, a lot of those songs did um, survive. Like, You're So Vain by Carly Simon, or Superstition mm-hmm. by Stevie Wonder, or Crocodile Rock by Elton John. I mean, those are those are pretty big songs. Uh, they are pretty big songs. Uh, you want to you hear some important dates from 1973? You went on dates in 1973 at negative... <laughs> no, important dates, like uh, musical dates. Yeah, right, like for, put, put this in perspective. So, you know, we've been kind of making it our way through the 70s slowly in the last couple of episodes. But you mentioned like Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. That's 1973. What else? What else was there? Dude, in January 30th, 1973, Kiss performed their first con- concert in Queens. Wow. So is that, do you think they're an influence of glam at that point? Because glam had started, it's, you know, was pretty popular with David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust, that sort of thing. Oh, that's Boxing very. music, New York Dolls. Yeah, I mean, you know, they were definitely influenced by it, right? They had to be because yeah. it was before them. Um, let's see. The, a very important date in 1973 was March 24th when Lou Reed is bitten on the buttocks by a fan during a concert in Buffalo, New York. And what are the buttocks? Uh the uh, butt cheeks. Ah, the ass. And I'm not surprised it was in Buffalo, which was yeah. also where McKinley got shot. Look, Buffalo Buffalo's a hard hard luck town, but people there seem to really enjoy it. People love that place. That's I don't know true. why. I've been there. It's interesting that Kiss had their first concert in January because on July 3rd, David Bowie retires his Ziggy Stardust persona. <laughs> I wonder if that's related. He's like, oh my God, what hell have I robbed? <laughs> I've jumped the shark. <laughs> totally. Yeah. A couple other things of note, and this is more of a historical perspective, but October 17th, 1973, the oil crisis begins. This caused shortages of the vinyl need to manufacture records. So a number of new albums were delayed or only available in limited quantities. Wow. wow. So I I wonder if that's why, I bet 1974 is a better year then. Well, I guess we'll, we'll see. see. I mean, you know, considering this era, these are years where bands are putting out at least an now album a year. a year, if not even totally. not even sooner. 
Uh, speaking of a, a new album that came out that year, October 19th, 1973, The Who released Quadrophonia. Quadrophenia? Yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, I'm not the biggest Who fan. I mean, they're not bad. I like them as a rock band. I just don't listen to their music. They've got several good songs in the classic rock canon. And most of them were used on TV shows. Yeah. For, yeah. And they're one of those bands that, you know, they have a half dozen songs that people know that are in the zeitgeist. So you don't really get sick of them. But, you know, I would still love to hear a few more deeper cuts by. And the last date, 1973, December 3rd, CBGB Music Club opens in Manhattan. Which wow. becomes important later on. Yep. Yeah, I feel like a, a couple future episodes are really going to hit on uh, CBGBs or at least the artists who went through there. Um, all right, so 73, I'm going to hit a couple interesting debuts. So in February of 73, Steely Dan, Can't Buy a Thrill, is their debut album, including Do It Again and Reeling in the Years. So... Pretty auspicious. Tom Waits, Closing Time, 1973. So, again, some seminal artists, especially that might have bubbled a little under the radar or somehow in Steely Dan's case, I feel like they're always cool. I don't know why. I don't think they're always cool. And aren't they straight up Yacht Rock? They're, they have some Yacht Rock standards, but they're also, they're definitely like white boy funky prog. Yeah, so... I did a bunch of research on them, and I was into how they put music together. I just didn't like the, their music. They were very detail-oriented. Like, they definitely worked really hard at it. Two of them were in charge of it. They'd bring in other musicians. Things took longer than they should have. But they had a very specific sound in mind they were going for, it, which mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. I find that people who like cocaine like Steely Dan. Uh, it's the 70s. I mean, so speaking of liking an album, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon came out in 73. This album was a game changer. It blended rock, progressive, and psychedelic elements into a mesmerizing sonic journey. Songs like Money and Time. <laughs> yeah. I would I would think, I would hazard a guess that everyone is at least familiar with that album. Wasn't it on the Billboard Top, top 200 short charts for literally decades? at least yeah. through the 90s, if not yes, more absolutely. recently than that? Absolutely. So everyone has heard this album. You know? It's probably the most iconic uh, album cover of all time, too. Which is just crazy. It's light going through a prism to form a rainbow. It's just... The simplicity of it all. Yeah. But I think in a way, though, does that get into kind of this space era theme? It's it's almost implied to me that that prism is floating in space. And you're in 1973 now. You're a couple... Of, you know, you're like four, four plus years past the moon landing. Voyager craft being launched to the infinity. And... You know, you're still a couple years from Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars and Buck oh, Rogers good stuff. Is, is around, I think. I mean, there is no dark side of the moon. In fact, it is all dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who've never made it to the end of dark side of the moon, those are the last words spoken. And you can watch it with uh, The Wizard of Oz. Have you done that? I did. It's uh, It's kind of uncanny, but then you realize... Just about anything you put on with just about anything else, there's enough coincidences that it was funny. I remember one time hanging out in Noviello in Boston, and we were listening to Pink Eye on My Leg by Ween, which is uh-huh. like mostly an instrumental track with a lot of sound effects. And we had the news on, like the local news. I, Steve Noviello is a newscaster, for those who don't know. 
Dallas in the house. He's also a podcaster now, so we got to watch out. Oh, watch our backs. <laughs> we could actually be on his podcast. Here. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Parenting and Something or Other. Yeah, well, well, we should hook up. We could do a cross party like they used to do in the 70s TV show yeah. when like Laverne and Shirley were on Happy Days and then Happy Days was on Laverne and Shirley. A crossover, if you but will. The point, but the point is, <laughs> a random song, Ween, Pink Eye, and My Leg, synced up per- perfectly with like the 6 o'clock news in Boston in a, some January night. So I, I actually just sent a track I recorded to a coworker of mine. Six months ago, we were in like a five, six person meeting and someone was explaining our future strategy. And I was on mute and I was playing my guitar below the video screen and I was doing an instrumental and it sounds really cool. <laughs> so you're right. I'm pretty sure you could just match anything up against anything. It'll be interesting at the very least. Yeah. You know, it would be a great album to, you know, sync up or just listen to that also came out in 1973 is Houses of the Holy Led Zeppelin, their fifth album. Yeah, you could probably put that on against one of their live performances from that year. <laughs> I'm just messing around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but so did you ever song remains the same. Well, Wait, that, that that's the name of the uh, live video, the live performance, right? The song remains the same? Yeah, and I think it was captured on that tour. But have yeah. you ever really listened to Zeppelin? Like, Yes, but Zeppelin 3 was my album. Zeppelin 3 was your album. See, I listened to Zeppelin... Mostly in middle school, I would say. Oh, I did this in college. Like, and then they were wow. always like in the background. Mm-hmm. But I think No Quarter is my favorite song by them. And that's here. Uh, um, wait, does Rush do a cover of that too? No, not that I know of. Uh, does anyone do a cover of that? <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, there's definitely been covers done of that. But, you know, Led Zeppelin, No Quarter is... So that, and I do, I agree with you. I, I like Zeppelin 3. Yeah, that came out in 1970. But I, you know, with Zeppelin 4, it's it's a great album. There's there's no denying it. It's just overplayed. I feel like you've he- heard all those songs a million times. I mean, Misty Mountain Hop, Going to California, the stuff buried on the, on, on the B-side. Like, even those songs you've heard a thousand times. Wow. So, just, I did a little research. Because I have a computer. No Quarter has been covered by Tool, Great White, Fish, Government Mule, among some. <laughs> yeah. I would not I would not recommend listening to those. I would recommend listening to Led Zeppelin. And another song, I think Jump Ahead to 76, I Don't Care, that I love by Led Zeppelin is <laughs> Achilles' Last Stand on the Presence album. The much maligned yeah. Presence album. Yeah, I can see where you're getting into Rush, too, at this point. Well, we're not quite to Rush, because I think their debut album came out in 1974, so maybe we'll touch on them next time. Oh, So, speaking of uh, Kiss and um, glam and theatricality, uh, Aladdin Sane came out by David Bowie in 1973. This is prior to him ditching the Ziggy start that was earlier in the year and yeah and then he kind right. ditched that and we'll get into David David Bowie's very interesting to me because late in the late 60s he started out as a, a troubadour like a, a Dylan-esque or Donovan-esque uh, or even the monkeys-esque kind of you know singer-songwriter with the acoustic guitar and then he kind of went into this glam stage and 
we're going to watch him go through all the years and kind of metamorphosize and, you know, whether it was a reaction to the, the cool things of the time or he was just going in a new direction. He really was a chameleon throughout the years. And he really was. Uh, Leonard Skinner came out with Sweet Home Alabama and Freebird <laughs> uh, released them in 1973. Yeah. And Skinner's interesting because they brought together all the best elements of Southern culture, blues, country, garage rock, and Southern poetry to create this gumbo of Southern sounds and flavors as none had done before. Yeah. So the Allman Brothers in 73, this is now Dwayne Allman dies in a motorcycle crash. Ooh. A year later... Barry Oakley, the bassist, dies in a motorcycle crash blocks away almost to the day, and it might even been to the day that that um, Dwayne Allman died. So they survived, and in 1973, Brothers and Sisters came out, and this is the arrival of Dickie Betts as, like, Ramblin' Man is the big song from Brothers and yep. Sisters. And, yeah. you know, this is after Eat a Peach in 72, which was kind of half live, half studio songs. And it was kind of like the last hurrah with Dwayne Allman. And now 73, you're going forward. And now this is Dickie Betts' band. Dickie Betts, of course, writes more of the, the Southern in the Southern rock uh, vibe. But I don't know. I've always liked the Allman Brothers. I mean, I've, I know we kind of look down upon the traditional classic rock sometimes here at the new dad rock, or at least I do. <laughs> I, I think Keith's un, un, unconcerned with it, but I mean, the Allman brothers are one of those bands that, you know, I like, and you know, they have a, a ton of really deep cuts. So they go pretty gonna... deep. I also, they have a famous song called in memory of miss Elizabeth Reed. And I had an aunt named Elizabeth Reed, which is weird. It is weird. I need to listen to more Almond brothers. Um, so, hey, the opposite of the Almond Brothers, on the other side of the pond, um, this new band enters the fray with their self-titled debut album, Queen. Can you tell me what the name of the band is? <laughs> Queen. We sound, we sound like Kunk on Earth here. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe and, was the rocks. and was the Queen actually in the band? So why were they named Queen? <laughs> what's interesting is this album came out a week before my birthday it's just interesting to think about what happened right around when you were born queen at this point is a much heavier band they started they they're very influential in the british metal scene and i don't know if we'll ever cover that but i'm going to say it right here but a song like great king rat is seriously like prototypical heavy metal is right in there and then I mean, they go all over the place. I, I didn't realize they had a song called Jesus, which is, uh, I wish we had it in the Jesus Draft episode. I didn't know that song back then. But that one. No, we missed out. I mean, it's, you know, it's a crisis of faith song. So there's a lot of the heartbreak and the personal traits that you would later see in, in Queen albums and Freddie Mercury's vocal or lyrics. It's not the Queen you think of, like, when you're listening to Queen Greatest Hits Volume 2. Yeah, so many songs. So many different songs. And Queen got their start. You know, a band that we covered last season was uh, Sparks. Sparks was the inspiration for Bohemian Rhapsody, I would say. Uh, Sparks was oh, yeah. headlining, and Queen was their underling. <laughs> 73. Like, I don't know. It's, it's weird to put it in that historical perspective, and then also what's, what's going on in the world. Yeah. 50 years ago. Well, there you have it, folks. A taste of 1973, a year that left an indelible mark on the rock music landscape. 
Whether you're a seasoned rock aficionado or a new listener looking to explore the classics, these albums and bands are the heart and soul of what we now call the dad new rock. dad rock. No, this is the old dad rock. Oh, most of these songs are the old dad rock, but I'm also adding things in that are like little deeper cuts, things that oh, totally. are a little off the mainstream. And look, Led Zeppelin is still the new dad rock. It's just not Stairway to Heaven and Ramble On. 100%. Yes. So thanks for joining us on this trip through time. Stay tuned for more rocking episodes, and don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Until next time, keep on rocking, and remember, the classics never go out of style. I didn't know we had a like and subscribe button, so definitely do that. And also, <laughs> drop like a little comment in the like ratings below. So I don't know that we have a lot of ratings out there. And look, not sure. the internet is still pretty anonymous, and, and really, who cares? The new dad. <laughs> <laughs> We're just fans of the